welcome to the Elemental Entrepreneurship Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Beyer, founder of Intuitive Edge Coaching and creator of the Elemental Entrepreneurship Framework. I use the elements, earth, air, fire, water, and spirit as a lens for understanding business and life. As you begin to understand each element, you can become an alchemist, able to powerfully blend the elements to transmute, transform, and create mysteriously potent outcomes with ease, leaving the people around you wondering, how are they doing that? As we navigate the unique challenges and joys that come with being a creative entrepreneur or professional artist, the Elemental Entrepreneurship Framework provides a guide to help you understand yourself, cultivate balance, and alchemize your business for magical results. I'm glad you're here. Hello, beautiful friends. It's so good to be back with you. There's been a little bit of a lag between episodes this month. Honestly, there's just been so much going on behind the scenes here at Intuitive Edge Coaching as I get ready for um, Black Friday and the holidays and also as I'm restructuring and looking ahead toward what we're going to be doing in 2022. There's a lot going on that I'm not all the way ready to share, but I have a really exciting episode for you today. And I'm going to tell you all about it in just a second. But before I do, I wanted to let you know that I am making a very small number of holiday sales strategy and planning sessions available. They are two-hour sessions that are just for those of you who feel like you are behind in your Black Friday or holiday sales plans, or you're really not sure what you're going to do and you need to get something together quick, fast, and in a hurry. Maybe you just want a second set of eyes on your plans to see if there's anything that you're missing or anywhere that there might be money being left on the table. And... I've got you. I love Black Friday. I really do. I um, I love it as a consumer, and I love it as a business owner. I am not the kind of person who is like at Best Buy on Thanksgiving, though. I love it as a consumer because so many coaches, educators, service providers, healers that I love tend to run specials, and I am the kind of person who will save up money and try to get in on things during Black Friday. Also, as a business owner, you know, a lot of business softwares go on sale at Black Friday. So signing up for a course, a program, uh, a piece of software that you've been wanting to get for your business, it might make the most sense to buy the annual plan during Black Friday. Um, I'm all about saving a little bit of money. So I really enjoy it um, for making business investments and personal development investments. And because I enjoy it as a consumer, I've always really enjoyed um, making holiday offers in my business. And November and December tend to be my largest sales months of the year. And that all happens usually while I'm on vacation, at home with family, chilling out. And that's not like fake marketing, fluffy hype. It's not effortless. It is because I strategize and plan. If you've been around for a while, you know I started talking about Black Friday, I think in like July. Um, So not everyone is as neurotic about planning it as I am, but I really love having well-formulated offers 
put together and the marketing machine behind those offers up running and ready to go so that I can be relaxing during the holidays and still have my business uh, doing something fun and exciting that is pulling in revenue. So if you are realizing that the holidays are coming up really fast and you haven't put together as strong of an offer as you would like, you want a little help, you want a little support, you want a second set of eyes on your plans, I got you. I made five of these sessions available. I only have four left, but they are available. And the link to book yours is in the show notes. They are only $500. And like everything in my business, they are 20% off for BIPOC, LGBTQIA plus folks and single parents. So if that applies to you, you can take that discount, no application or questions asked. And that's all in the form that you can fill out when you book it through the link in the show notes. All right. So that's enough about that. Today's episode, I have my accountant, Katie Farrow. Katie is a CPA and bookkeeper. She is an entrepreneur herself, and she has worked with tons of entrepreneurs. And she is really dedicated to helping us make sure that we are keeping more of our money and avoiding expensive mistakes, especially where it comes to taxes. So I wanted to have Katie on because I know for a lot of us, as we're approaching the end of the year, hopefully we're thinking about what are the things that I should be doing financially to make sure that I'm in a good position for the beginning of next year. What are the bookkeeping things I need to make sure I do? What are the organization things? What are the tax things? Should I be buying stuff to keep my profit margin lower? Like, What should I be doing at the end of the year? And Katie's going to come in and give us a lot of amazing information in this episode. So if you're not driving, get a notebook and a pen ready, get a beverage, cozy in, and listen up. There's also some really great resources in these show notes uh, that Katie has provided to us. So take a look at all of the amazing resources, both free and her small business starter kit bookkeeping spreadsheet that she's offered us that are in the show notes. All right, without further ado, enjoy the episode. Hi, Katie. Hello. And hi, everybody. I'm so excited. We have an Earth episode today. We're getting very practical. We're going to talk about money. Um, I always like with my my artists, small business um, people, because some of us can get like very tense and anxious and emotional when we talk about money. So I always like to encourage you to like be cozy, have a beverage, have socks on, like take deep breaths. If you notice that even just thinking about talking about end of year counting is already making you anxious. I just want to invite you to drop in and let this be fun and let it be supportive for you. Um, and I have on the podcast today, Katie Farrow, who is my accountant and also my friend, Katie is a licensed CPA with 10 years of tax and accounting experience. She is a fellow entrepreneur and a mother of three little ones. 
She is highly passionate about educating entrepreneurs to understand and organize the numbers side of their business so they can keep more of their hard-earned money in their pockets, stay out of trouble. I'm so excited to have you here today. And also, I just want to like validate that that is definitely true. Katie is the accountant for Intuitive Edge Coaching and has really helped me a lot. And even just having her guidance, um, you're just such a the way that you're able to break this stuff down is so practical and so approachable and it, you're able to take things that are really heady and really scary and like I'll read them on the internet and be like no I'm more confused uh, I should just <laughs> it's usually like I should just move to the mountains like I'm just never gonna pay taxes and I'll just move to the mountains and then I message Katie and she's like no no it's fine here do this <laughs> it makes things much easier so welcome to the podcast thank you so much for being here yeah, thank you for having me. And I like, uh, thank you for that compliment, because it's really something that I strive to make my clients feel at ease with. And like you said, and so for anybody listening, this can definitely feel overwhelming, like Sarah's saying, try not to let it though, try to allow it to be simpler. That's definitely something that I focus on is let's break this down to what we actually have to worry about. And then one of the biggest pieces of advice that I can give is this stuff is much more digestible when you have a one-on-one -on -one conversation focusing only on your facts. It gets confusing and overwhelming when you start to read about all of the different scenarios or like ways to make decisions. It's easier to have these conversations with a person and that's not a plug. We're going to be talking a lot about taxes here. And so to clarify, I don't do taxes. I have tax experience, but I run a bookkeeping business right now. So I partner with CPAs, which really just means that I know a lot of brilliant ones. And I know enough to know who good CPAs are. But what I want you to know, too, is that there are an abundance of good CPAs. And they range from higher packages to people who will gladly do your return for you just at the end of the year, even with sloppy books. So one, one thing that I want to just encourage is now is a great time to start looking for a CPA who would be a good match for you. So you can do that through having conversations with people who are in similar places and spaces in their business and asking who they use if they're happy and having a conversation with the people that they recommend especially if you are like a creative, more heart-centered person, you're going to be able to feel if this person is the right fit for you. If they're rushing you, dismissing you, um, giving you answers without any explanation and leaving you feeling stressed, they're not the right person. So just keep looking. There's plenty of good people out there. And my big preface is I'm, I'm going to touch on some things to think about and some things to talk about. But when it comes to your situation, it's best done with somebody who's going to be looking at your unique situation. And let me just pop in and ask this question because I feel like I can I can feel the question bubbling up is um, when at what stage in someone's business should they be thinking about having a bookkeeper or should they be thinking about getting a CPA? Because I can already feel my people being like, oh, I'm not ready for that. Like I'm not far enough along. My business isn't making enough yet. So if you were going to be advising someone who's kind of newer in it, like when should they be thinking about getting bookkeeping support or working with a CPA? That's such a good question. And like the truth is I'm thinking like I'm stepping back and reminding you that this is not a plug. Like if you come to me for taxes, I can't even do your taxes. And if I refer you to somebody, I don't get a referral bonus for the people that I'm recommending. So there's nothing in it for me other than the fact that I want you to avoid mistakes. Like 
is mentioned in the little bio that I wrote a few years ago. It's kind of nostalgic to have you read that because that bio is something that I I crafted three years ago, like in the beginning stages of like getting clients and my business has completely transformed from then, but my mission has not. So the reason that I started my business was I had that tax experience. I'm going to try to nutshell this. I had my tax experience. I worked in corporate and I ended up leaving corporate when like right before I had my first child because I got paid to quit my job and I had a strange set of circumstances that had me open to thinking that that would be okay. Um, typically, that wouldn't feel okay to me. I had worked 29 years to get to the point where I was in my career. And I knew that when I left corporate, I was leaving it behind pretty much or that I was going to take a substantial uh, like few hits down the ladder. When I left my corporate job, I was a stay-at-home mom, but people knew that I had that experience. So a couple of friends or friends of friends came to me asking some questions and so for help on bookkeeping and then with tax questions. So I would get into their stuff with the intention to help them. It it really isn't that complicated. Tax and bookkeeping, if you are a solo entrepreneur, which I think most people listening will be, it's really not that complicated. But if you don't like learn what you need to know about it and have a few actions in place and we can get into what I'm talking about more tangibly in a second. You can make some tiny little easy to make mistakes that actually really hurt you. And so the problem with tax is people will come to you. So let's say you started your business in January of 2021, right? Now we're in October of 2021 and you're starting to think, all right, it's time for me to think about taxes. If you're thinking about that in your first year of business in October, you're proactive. <laughs> compared to most people. You're probably going to blink and we're going to be looking at March. And around Easter, you're going to start going, oh my God, I still have not put anything together. I don't know what to put together. And you'll start looking into getting your taxes done. At that time, you might reach out to a friend of a friend like me. At that time, I'm looking at like almost ancient history of your business. I'm looking at January through December of the prior year. It's now April of the following year. We're already like a third of the way through the next year. Things that can happen is you can be more profitable than you realize you are and you pay tax on profit. You may not have that cash anymore because you took the profit and paid down debt. Um, you may have you know, paid your cost of living, but if you didn't set aside taxes, you could be in for a surprise on what you actually profited, even though the cash isn't there. And then you're going to owe some penalties for not paying anything in if you don't pay it. And it just becomes this uphill battle of, I didn't budget it. Now I've got to go and make it just to pay the taxes. The money that you're making is still taxable. And if you get into the scenario where you're paying tax, where you're paying penalty and interest, you're actually paying more than you should. So can you get out of it? Yes, but it's hard. And it's like such a horrible feeling. And CPAs hate to be the bearer of bad news with that. Like there's nothing fun about telling you that you owe taxes for a CPA. They don't get a cut of it. They're, they're not getting any of it. They're trying to keep it low. And so they just have to be the bearer of bad news that explains how this system works. And I saw a couple of bad situations like that, which made me go like, I really want to make sure that I'm I'm a voice that can catch people on the ground level to tell them, if you're serious at all about starting a business, you should be looking into this. Because like I said, while it may feel overwhelming now, it's way better than doing it later. 
And you're probably really good at what you do, which means you probably are going to have some level of success. And with success comes, you know, having to deal with this side of things. It is one of the things that is less sexy than working, you know, a corporate job or being an employee because that's managed for you pretty nicely. That system of being an employee is managed pretty easily and hands off. Taxes are coming out of your paycheck. You're probably getting refunds. And that scenario just completely flips. And also, this is also not to to scare, but like as you make more money, you pay a higher percentage, not just more money. We all know that, but it adds up kind of quickly. So my point is not to scare you. My point is to say there are a couple of small things that can be done on the front end that will just allow you to put a system in place from the beginning to track your profits, which is very simple. It's literally sales minus expenses. That's what you're left with. And that's roughly what you're going to pay tax on. And then start setting it aside monthly. And you have to manage that. So you have to put it aside. But looking at it monthly will help you do that and budget to put it aside. And the benefit of looking at everything monthly is that you're going to be looking at it in real time versus that ancient history tax scenario that I'm talking about. So if you realize you have a cash flow problem in one month, at least your wheels are spinning in how do I flip this and how do I make sure that this doesn't accumulate into 16 months worth of this problem. Let me, I'm going to hop in real quick. So two things. One is I just want to say for folks listening, I have been in the situation that Katie's describing. I actually, it when I was in my 20s, one of the businesses I owned I didn't pay taxes for like five years and it was really bad. And like, I was very, I was in a place and in elemental terms, it's all water stuff. I was very emotionally avoidant about money. I had a lot of money trauma. I had a lot of, I still had a lot of very limiting beliefs about money. I had a lot of anxiety about money. I had a lot of scarcity mindset. Um, I cried in my business every single day about money and I was in a, I owned a dance studio. So I had a big team and in the dance studio business, um, people who are listening may know this cause I have a lot of dancers in my network, but your main product is like, 12 to $20 and the house keeps 50% of that because you're paying out the teacher usually a percentage of the people who are coming in the door. It's hard to make money and you're paying rent, you're paying all the overhead. So it was a very stressful business financially, especially for someone who was in the place that I was where I was very avoidant and very resistant about money and money really scared me and like really getting practical about it was really hard for me. And so at a certain point, I had someone come in to help me and they were, I was so scared and I had so much shame built up around it. It was emotionally really hard to like let someone look. And I was like, you know, it's just like showing someone, like the week you can get so shame, like there's so much shame that can build up around money, especially when you've been avoidant for a really long time. And it was all because there was like, one time that I went to go pay taxes and I owed some money and I wasn't expecting to owe and I was like ah and just like slammed my laptop closed and never looked again for like years because I didn't know how to deal with the fact that I owed money and once I had someone come in and help me and we like dug our way out of it I did have to go on like a payment plan with the IRS it took me like a year to get it caught up but one of the things that I want to say about this thing that Katie is saying is that it might feel overwhelming But there's a difference between something being inconvenient or unsexy or overwhelming and creating a crisis and avoidance creates a crisis, right? And like 
avoidance as a coping strategy and that's what it is and I want to just like give everyone a little love on the fact that like avoidance is a coping strategy that we learn in childhood and it makes a lot of sense when you're a kid because you actually are helpless and you're like I just have to check out because I have no control as an adult avoidance as a coping strategy is not that valuable and avoidance erodes our self-esteem because when we're avoiding we're telling ourselves I can't deal with this I can't think about this I don't know how to think about this this is too much for me and just telling yourself that disempowers you it makes you feel bad about yourself it makes you feel shitty and it makes right like we don't do things we can't do so if you're telling yourself I can't do this then you just don't and it's kind of magical thinking you're like I'm just gonna put it away I'm just gonna deal with it later and by putting it off you end up creating a situation that does become a financial crisis that's way way worse for you than if you had found a way to, um, uh, this I think I got from Money Witch on Instagram, Jessie Susanna, she suggests as an alternative to avoidance as a coping mechanism is compartmentalization. It's like, okay, I can look, I don't have to know what to do with it right now. And I think that's where we get into avoidance is that we feel like if we look, we have to come up with an answer right now or we have to fix it right now. And so being able to be like, okay, I can look. I have the resources to just look. And if I look and I'm freaked out, I can set it aside for a little while. I can go take a bath, take a break, ask around, call some people, see who I can get to help me and come back to it later. I can deal with it a little bit at a time. I don't have to solve everything right this second. I don't have to have all of this figured out right away. But compartmentalizing and dealing with things, anything, not just money, but really anything, a little bit at a time is so much more empowering than avoidance. Um, and so I just want to throw that out there. It's like if you're one of those people like I was, that the very idea of this leads you into shame and makes you think think I can't deal with this like I'm just not a money person I hate this I don't want to look we end up creating a crisis for ourselves and the only person who pays for that is us <laughs> and like we just make things way worse for ourselves when we are unwilling to give ourselves really the credit we deserve because everyone on here I know like if you no matter who you are you can do it you are smart enough, you are completely capable. And if you can't, you can find someone who can help you. And like, there's always a way. Um, and so I just want to kind of throw that out for my people that like, a, I've literally been there in like one of the most scary, devastating, like not paying taxes for years way possible and gotten myself out of that. And that's part of why I do the work that I do now and why I work with people like Katie, because like, I don't want anyone to feel like that. Um, and I think a lot of my artists and creatives and heart-centered entrepreneurs end up feeling like that because we didn't get into business to get into quote-unquote business. We just wanted to do our thing and like help people or make our art and like business is the byproduct, but we never set out to learn business. And we're like, ew, I don't like it. I don't want it. So I don't know. I just wanted to throw that out. Like I've literally done that and I'm still successful and I did not have to change my name and go live in the mountains or like go to debtor's prison. I was okay. <laughs> but like, we don't, we don't want you to do that. So I think what I'm hearing Katie is that like, we should really be starting to look at taxes, think about taxes and track profit from the, from like day one of your business. There's no too early to start thinking about that. Is that correct? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I'm like kind of spamming the chat, taking notes on what you're saying because it's so good. And I, 
I really value this two-way communication where I can say something and you can pull it back down, especially because you've experienced what I'm saying. And I struggle sometimes communicating that, in my opinion, worst case scenario, because it's the opposite feel of what I want to leave you with. But it's it's the reality. And I love that you were able to fix it, you know, after you finally decided to tackle it in just a year, because I've, there was one person I can, I still think of her. I still think of where I was sitting when I looked at her scenario and thought to myself, how is she going to pull out of this? I was looking at it like this would be a terrible feeling. It's like, I took it on what it would feel like if it was mine and think about the logistics of trying to unearth yourself from that financial crisis. And I think one of the things that I probably would have done was quit. And go back to working for somebody else at least for a period of time so that I could pay the taxes off, which is just so the opposite of the goal. And you mentioned you didn't get into business to get into business. I want to touch on that. Like, in a, I want to really run with that for a minute because, first of all, that's okay. That's why there's tools and people like us who did that can literally take that off the plate for you. And then, um, you got into business for something way bigger than business, right? And so there's twofold, well, threefold, what maybe even fourfold, what you can do for your clients, like the way that you serve them, um, what you can do in your own life and the autonomy and, and like life that you can actually build be, as a byproduct of your profitable business, what you can do for team members that you ultimately hire if that's part of your plan and what you can do like with the overflow for the people in your life that are not part of your business, right? Like for your kids, for causes that you care about, things like that. So there's something much bigger at play and, and that's your why profits the how you can't do any of that sustainably, comfortably, and really to like the level of power that you're set out to do it when you're avoiding this. And if you are unprofitable, you can't sustain it. Yes. So, so part of being unprofitable is having a cash flow issue too. And if you're owing, if you profited, but then you spent the money and now you owe the government and you don't have the money to pay the government, you profited, but you still have a problem, right? And so, yes, I, I, I there's other things that I wrote shame and you don't want to let someone look. That's, um, maybe the 50th time I've heard that, like, it's so common. So I really want to address it and say, if you're feeling that way, you're not weird, you're actually totally normal. Like that's the norm. And but what I'll say about that, too, is like, we really don't care, because everybody comes to us like that. So there is literally no judgment in that we're looking at it, like when you allow a bookkeeper or an accountant into your finances, we are not judging, we're literally we're going down a series of logical steps in our head of how do I classify this? What bucket do I put it in? And then once we look at the picture, it's just how much does this person owe? We don't, we care, but we don't care. Like we're not sitting there judging you. And it's funny because like sometimes I ask my clients questions on what purchases were just so I know what to categorize it to. And they'll start like explaining why they purchased that. I'm like, I'm not asking for an explanation. I just need to know where to put it right now. 
Um, And money, right, because money is so loaded. And it's Mm -hmm. funny because even as you were talking, I was like, we wouldn't necessarily have that about, like, taking our car to a a mechanic. Like, we don't feel shame about, like, what's going on under the hood of our car if there's something wrong with our car. Or, like, even, like, going to a physical therapist. Most of us wouldn't feel shame letting a physical therapist run us through a series of diagnostic tests to assess what's happening with our back. But money is so loaded for so many of us and it's connected to our family and stories that we heard growing up about what money means and that i think i always in elemental i teach like um if there's shame there's shoulds right Mm. and so there's always like the should of like i should already know this i should always be better i should be better at this i should have this together already i shouldn't need to ask and it's so funny it's like well why should you know this like we didn't learn this in school we like most of us didn't learn any kind of financial management skills and we barely learn them for ourselves let alone learning them for business and like tax law like we don't know about tax that's not a thing that most people walk around just with common knowledge so all of the weird shoulds that we have about how we should be better we should already know this we should have a financial system in place there's actually no reason that you should but we do have a lot i think a lot of people have a lot of weird assumptions that like that it's that it's embarrassing that they don't come to you already knowing and you're like if you already knew you wouldn't need to come to me like my job wouldn't exist (laughs) like we don't just know this stuff I wrote down facade because sometimes I think people can feel maybe especially if they have like a social media presence where they're talking about what their business is doing but then they have to let somebody come in and peek and they're not sure if they're profiting or not right then they're like like I've been talking about these sales and these launches and now I have to let somebody peek in there and like see and I don't even know what my profit is because I don't know how to calculate it or how to wrap my head around that system and so like I I say that tax is simple and I say that bookkeeping is simple but they're also complex so like loop though I want to I want to double click on what you just said because you are up in the back end of a lot of people's businesses are you seeing do you end up seeing a lot of business influencers who talk a lot on social media about money and about profit but in reality are not managing their business finances for real my my clients are actually really um like they're I think it's just I connect with people who are genuine and authentic. But what I do see is a lot of like wrong verbiage or things that can seem like it's one thing, but there's something else. So um, and I'm not talking about like my clients in these scenarios, but questions that I have when I see content is like, we hit seven figures in our business. I'll see that on Instagram and go, I have so many questions because that statement means nothing to me as an accountant. How long did it take you? Are you tracking from 2009? Did it happen this year? Are you talking about annualized? Is that sales? What are your expenses? Um, so like, what's the time frame? And, and it means nothing. And even with that information, and even if you give me how many years, it still means nothing. Like, it, so those numbers are super subjective. So while they matter, they also don't when you're comparing. Yeah, I think that's really important for people to hear because I do think that's where we get into some of the shoulds and the comparison is like, if you're in the online business world, you do see people flash numbers around all the time that are devoid of context. Yeah, even to say like, I had a 100k launch. Cool. 
what did you do in the front end? What is your cost? Is there a team running that? And how long is the program? How long are you delivering for? Do I care if you had a 100K launch, if your profit is 20,000, and if you are now delivering that over a year? Or you spent 90,000 on ads. (laughs) Right. And that's why I'm saying your profit's 20,000, right? Because this could mean anything. Could it also mean that you had a 100K launch and you sold a passive product that you ironed out two years ago and you kept 90% profit? Yeah. But I don't know that from the information that you're sharing. And, and just like the shoulds and the comparison, even if we were able to compare true dollar amounts and you and I were going to sit here and talk about the cash that we took home after profit and know what our hourly rate was, is it still apples to apples? And the answer is no. You live in California. I live in Florida. I have three kids. You know, the cost of food by you is going to be different. I don't even know which one is more. I don't know what you need to support in your life. I don't know what that's paying for. So like what you can do with the same exact dollars is not what I can do with the same exact dollars. And we don't know starting points or anything or what the potential is. It, it It's only relevant in terms of what it means for you. So I like metrics. I care about them. I need context to give them meaning. I love that. So if someone is just starting out, maybe this is their first year of business, what would you recommend percentage-wise that they're putting aside for taxes? There's so many things at play with that too, that that's one of the things that I like to say, and you know this because you're my client, talk to your CPA to figure out the whole scenario. And here's the two things that can happen. One, well, your first year in business, you don't have to pay estimated taxes because it's your first year in business and it's based off of the prior year. Or um, there's a way that you you can get penalized for not paying in enough estimated taxes. You're basically exempt from that in your first year, okay? In your second year, it has to be a certain percentage of your actual or a certain percentage of the year before. And typically, business owners are making more and more money, so it's easy to pay in without having to be penalized. So one thing is your CPA will help make sure that you're penalty proof and run those scenarios for you. Um, That's one reason to talk to them. When it comes to what percentage to set aside, it really depends on like what state you're in and what other income you make. But if you're profitable and you've got a family and things like that, um, where like you might have more family income, so your your income together is going to be higher. I typically say somewhere between like 20 and 35%. And that is knowing that if you do 20%, you're probably going to owe a little bit more. And if you do 35%, you may have overpaid. And I don't love either scenario because if you underpay and don't budget to save a little extra, you've got to come up with the cash all at once when the taxes do. If you're not paying penalty, it doesn't. it's just timing, right? So if you're not paying penalty and you know you're going to potentially owe and you have money, that's fine. Um, the other scenario though, in overpaying your estimated taxes, you're going to get a refund if that happens, but now you've given the IRS money and you haven't earned any interest on it. So you could be investing that you could be putting that into like a high yield savings account and earning anything on it, or like playing with your money in the meantime, if you have enough money to pay your taxes at the end. So cash flow is always an important one for me and why I recommend that my clients set aside more conservatively just so that they don't get hit with this like four-figure surprise tax bill that to them feels like a lot. If you're 
coming into business from being on that, like I was an, I was a contractor and I was doing 1099s and I paid taxes once a year. I know that for a lot of people, this idea of like paying taxes quarterly versus annually is like, when should I start doing that? How do I do that? Why do I do that? Can you talk a little bit about like switching into paying quarterly taxes and why we do that? One, to not be penalized because the IRS wants their money regularly. So if you're at risk of, of um, like if it's not your first year in business, you pretty much need to be paying an estimated taxes so that you don't get hit with a penalty at the end. They want their money throughout. Um, for me personally, I like paying it in quarterly because I can't stand not knowing what amount of cash is mine. <laughs> and so if I, I look at my bank account regularly, which I know might be weird, like I look at it like every single day. Um, but when I look at that, then in my head, I start kind of putting it in buckets of what I can spend. I look at my credit card balances to make sure that I've got the cash to pay for that. And then I'm trying to figure out what's left. If I haven't been paying in any taxes, honestly, for me, that really stresses me out. So I like to pay in quarterly taxes to know that I'm not going to get surprised either. Um, right now, what I do is I have it, um, I, I actually put it in um, Voyager in USD coin. I'm not a financial advisor, but and I don't even know that much about crypto. <laughs> My sister is like put money in crypto and it did pretty well last year. So now I have it sitting in Voyager in USD coin and it earns pretty good interest every month. That will also make your tax situation more complex. So again, you should be working with somebody. I have a CPA, just so you know. Like that's how much I value that service. And that's how, and I pay her, you know, I have a CPA that I pay to do my taxes. That's how I feel about taxes. Um, she is so invaluable because I can tell her these things happened and then she can tell me what to do about it. So she has really been a lifesaver for me. And I used to feel like, I needed to do my taxes to prove that I was like a CPA to myself, you know? So it's one of those things too, where you can ask for support in your business. And this year, you probably don't need somebody like her if this is your first year of business. But as your business continues to grow, think about the relief that you'll have when you literally have a CPA who you can text and ask a question to who will know the answer based on your circumstances. It's huge. I do have... You know, I do have some resources that will break down like the basic, basic things about getting started in business if you're a sole entrepreneur. I'm looking up the episode for that um, on my podcast. But essentially, if you're in business by yourself as the only owner, I recommend that you set your business up as an LLC in the state that you live in. And like, leave it like that. Just have the LLC. There's a couple of reasons. One is for legal protection. Another is because it lets you then get an EIN in the name of the business instead of using your social for anything, including the bank. And then you can take that EIN, which is free, and the LLC, which in most states is pretty cheap. I know in California, it's not. Um, right, everything is so expensive. And actually, taxes are a lot more complex in California too. But you would take the EIN and the LLC and go to the bank, open up a separate business checking account, I really don't care um, if you're not making money today. I still recommend that you open up a business checking account because when you do these very simple steps, you have laid the foundation for a business to grow on without worrying about it, without having to go back and fix it, which is always harder. You'll have to start transitioning the payments that you've got once you've got clients coming in. Huge pain in the butt. 
annoying for you, annoying for them. So just get the business account now. And when you do those things, not only are you set better for legal and tax purposes, but like your whole mindset around your own business is going to shift by making those changes for yourself. You're going to feel more serious. Um, your clients are going to feel that even if they don't know you have an LLC, you do. And you know that the way that you're getting paid is legit. And then you don't have to, you know, unravel it and fix it. If you succeed, it's when. It's I'm going to make these steps because I believe that my business is going to succeed and consistently taking those actions in literally every area of your business, including this, actually makes a difference. So my recommendation, I'll recap LLC in your state. Um EIN from irs.gov. It's like apply for an EIN. Take that and open up a business checking account. Try to get the fees eliminated or very low. I recommend Chase for that. Um, I think that if you just maintain a balance of like 1500 or 2000 then you can have no fees. And it's a good bank for ultimately ending up having somebody kind of peek in. You can add an account and access for free. It links with everything it's a pretty well-known um, and reputable bank. And then um, what's the last one? Oh, the last one is I just want you to know, and I don't want to get into the complexities of this today, but I want you to keep in your mind and reference back to this podcast. <laughs> what did Katie say again? And it's when you start profiting, sales minus expenses, profit, more than 75000 a year, and you're on track to hit like 100000 plus, Ask a CPA if it makes sense for you to become an S-Corp. And that's where the LLC is important in knowing that later down the road, you can elect for that LLC, which right now would be very simple for tax purposes and really change nothing for you. You can change it to be an S-Corp, which ends up saving you money in taxes with a little bit of complexity. So your CPA should deal with it. But for a CPA, it's not complex. And for you, it's a conversation and a signing of a form. Yeah, I want to I want to hop in just like recap a couple things that Katie said that I think are really important for my folks who are just starting again in elemental terms, like there's a reason that this is earth work, right? These are our foundations. And Katie touched on like when you have these things in place, they make you feel more confident as a business owner. And I can't tell you, like I went through this, but I can't tell you how often I see it with people who come to me, especially with people who they're creatives, they're healers, they're artists. Again, they started their business just from like, I do a thing. And so I just started selling it or it was a hobby or it was my side hustle or like uh, people just started asking me what I charge for this. So I started letting people send me money on Venmo for it, right? I started, everything was by donation. Katie's making a face if you're listening on the podcast because she <laughs> hates when business owners are taking their money via Venmo. So what ends up happening is that a lot of those people have this feeling of like, I'm not a real business owner or like, I'm not legit. It actually contributes to imposter syndrome that you're, that what's under the hood again is a mess. And so that again, like erodes our self-esteem, it erodes our confidence. It makes us feel less confident in promoting, in bringing more clients in. And so it becomes this weird catch 22 of like, I didn't set all that stuff up because I don't take my business really seriously as a business yet. And because I don't have that stuff set up, I don't take my business really seriously as a business. And it's really preventing, it becomes a loop and it's preventing you from going out and promoting the way you need to. So when we set these foundations from the beginning for ourselves of 
having a business bank account, having your legal uh, distinctions and your paperwork filed, thinking about taxes from the very beginning, and even simple things, and we get into this in elemental entrepreneurship and earthwork of like, onboarding. How do clients book sessions with you? And like, I don't want to go down that road too much, but even just these simple things of like, that you understand the process of like how to have someone, how to have someone go from just hearing about you to paying you and becoming a customer. If you have taken the time to work that out and make it really seamless and professional for them, you feel more confident about promoting yourself. They feel more confident about giving you money because it doesn't seem as much as like, I just like sent this random person some money and I don't know what's happening with it. It is really, it boosts our business self-esteem a lot to have these things in place at the very beginning. And so if you're in this thing of like, oh, I'm just making money and like maybe even I have a business account, but I'm really lax about it and some stuff goes to my personal PayPal and I pay some things on my personal card and I'm not keeping things separate. You're again in that thing of like, your behaviors are again like contributing to some like business imposter syndrome, some low self-esteem. I heard someone on a podcast recently say when someone comes to them and says that they have money problems, they say you don't have a money problem, you have a money symptom of a behavior problem. And I thought that was so powerful and so important. And I really locked into that because I know I have that for myself sometimes. And I've been through that a lot where I was like, I thought that I had money problems. But what I actually had was money symptoms from behavior and habit problems. I had the habit of being too lax with what account I took money into. I had a habit of being too lax with which card I used. I had a, a habit of skipping steps in onboarding or like sometimes I tracked the money and sometimes I didn't. So these were all my personal behavioral habits. And again, they manifested themselves in these money symptoms of like, I've screwed myself over. Now I owe money somewhere. Now I don't know what I really spent this year in my business because some of my expenses are on my personal card and I'm going to mess up my taxes. Like those are us being too too lax with our habits in a way that's messing us up financially, but also it's messing with our confidence as a business owner. And so taking these simple steps at the beginning to like get yourself organized, it really boosts your self-confidence. And so if you've been avoiding it because it seems stressful, I just want to like throw that out there that like the benefit that you may not even be anticipating is how much more legit you feel and how much more you take yourself seriously, how much more comfortable you are inviting people into your business. It's almost like if I was going to invite you over to my house, would I not pick things up off the couch and make it so that you had a place to sit? Or would I take the time because you're coming over to make sure I had everything set up for you to come over? Making me smile. There's so many things that you hit on. But in the very, very beginning of me, like even having an Instagram, and I'm sure the post is even gone now, but it was like, I talked about how bookkeeping is basically the part of your business that is shoved under the bed or into the closet when companies coming over. Like I had those habits as a kid of like looking like everything was decent but shoving stuff in places. So for me, it would be under my bed. I, I had like a bed skirt. 
so you couldn't see it. And the underneath of my bed was always covered in crap. And so that would be like what I envisioned being the financial side of at that time, I was specifically speaking to creative entrepreneurs, because the people that I had gotten in touch with, who had some of these issues were creative entrepreneurs. And I could see the patterns between them being really, really good at their craft, and really, really bad and avoidant at bookkeeping, which was becoming this horrible um, cycle for them. And it's how I connected. Like for me, we're talking kind of about tax here, but I keep bringing it back to bookkeeping because bookkeeping is what makes tax easy. And bookkeeping is what allows you to see how your business is doing. And when you even put in a simple process just for you to track your books before you're ready for somebody else, you will be light years ahead of the game. And that avoidance will start, you'll start to feel ready to face some of the bigger issues like tax. Tax is definitely more overwhelming. And the idea of you have to wait until it's tax time to have your return to actually know what you're going to file, right? But with bookkeeping, and like, you have the link, Sarah. So if you haven't grabbed it, like grab your link for the small biz starter kit, because that is the perfect solution for getting started with bookkeeping. And also, when you get that, which is a Google Sheets template for bookkeeping that takes all of the thought work out of it. I have templated it with the things that matter and made it so very easy for you to literally drop in sales and expenses. It's going to do all the calculating. You're going to get a video. You're going to um, have some other tips. It's going to talk about taxes in the video so that you can take that to somebody who can help you with the taxes. And they'll be able to know what you're actually doing versus having a mess on their hands and they won't they won't know how to fix it or will charge you a lot to fix it. And then for you working on that throughout the year, you're going to see every month is my recommendation, what you actually did and what you actually spent. And when you go in to track that, which the process should be, you're separating everything in your business checking account. So you're just pulling the statement at the end of the month and entering in sales and entering in expenses. And it's going to do the rest. You're going to give it a little category. It's from drop downs. It's going to calculate your sales and your costs. It's going to automatically show you what your highest income earner is and what your highest expenses are. And you intuitively are going to know how that feels for you. You don't even need a bookkeeper for that. A bookkeeper can't even help you with that. A bookkeeper can only like categorize it and then you know how that feels. So with a lot of my clients, I think one of the coolest things that happens when they see where their money is coming from and where their money is going is they shut down income earners. They'll say this, it can go one of two ways. This thing is bringing in all of my money, but it's also taking all of my time and I hate it now. And this thing, you know, like let's say it's a passive product or a different service. This thing that I have spent no time on that people have come knocking on my door for made 15% of my sales this month. And I haven't had any time to market it. Like what if I shut this thing down and focused only here? And I've seen people shut down their biggest income earners on multiple occasions and flip it into the thing that they didn't have time to focus on because they were too busy working on this thing that they hate. And now their sales doubled. Expenses are very similar in that you're going to see where the money's going and you're going to know how that feels. You're going to say, All of that went to office supplies and just making stuff up. And then you'll look and go like, what did I buy? And it was a whole bunch of crap that you didn't really need. Um, Lots of times it's softwares that you trialed that then build you something that seemed small 
and you don't realize you're paying 80 bucks a month for software you're not using or annual subscriptions that are sneaky and hidden in there for like $200 once a year, it can really add up. And those things are, are leaks in your business. And when you have that simple way to track it, um, that is actually fun. And I'm not just saying that. That's not me saying that because I actually prefer a more solid system like bookkeeping software. I'm saying what almost 300 people have bought this template now and people who actually use it freaking rave about it because they're like, this is so easy. This is so intuitive. This is so fun. And some people even use it weekly so that they can get that system in place and see and and just being in it a little bit more and them being the first person to touch it. Also, it removes that shame of inviting somebody else in. You get to clean it up. And then you get to decide when you're profitable enough. Okay, this was fun and this served me, but now I'm ready to have somebody come in and do it for me. Yeah, I will put the link in the show notes, everyone, for Katie's Small Biz Starter Kit, this Google sheet that she's talking about. I have it. I have all of my clients when they're starting with me, if they're in a position where they haven't been tracking, I get them on this and I've helped people sit down and like pour through their statements and highlight things and go back from the beginning of the year and get caught up. And I usually encourage them to do it a month at a time and like, you know, have like a Saturday a week until they get all caught up starting back from the beginning of the year if they haven't been tracking. But I've had that same experience. And I know that like my clients that I've had use it have had that same experience. And I know from using it myself, like being able to see that my highest expense categories every month are my own ongoing education and help in my business, the people that I pay to help me and the people on my team. I feel so good about that. Like that is a place where it like really reflects my values to know that like, yeah, my business costs money and yes, I spend money, but the highest places that I spend money are on continuing to develop myself, continuing to develop my skills. um, And then on having people in their zone of genius helping me in my business so that I can spend more time doing the stuff that really matters to me feels very, very aligned. And I love being able to see that every month and be like, yeah, that was expensive. And I'm really like, I feel really great about where my money's going. And I love being able to see that. Um, And I, same thing, I think it's really helpful. And I always encourage people to like, especially if you're at the beginning of getting comfy with money, um, is to make it an intimacy practice and have like sexy money dates and like get dressed up and um, like put light a green candle and put music on and put like something good smelling in the oven so that there's food ready when you're done and like make it an experience and make it really fun and like give a bunch of gratitude to the money that's there. And as you look at every sale that came in, even if it was a $5 sale to like take a moment to recap and be like, oh, thank you. I'm so glad for this person who gave me their money for something. I'm so grateful for this experience. I'm so grateful for this sale and getting into that habit of connecting with all of the money that's coming in and all of the money that's going out is actually this really beautiful gratitude practice and ebb and flow in your business when you can start to shift into thinking about your relationship with money in your business that way. And like the money is also representative of the important work that we're doing in the world. Like that is the evidence of like how many people you've touched this month, how many people whose lives you've changed this month, how many people you've helped this month is represented in these numbers. So again, like the numbers themselves, comparatively, like the numbers are inert, they don't really mean anything. But every single one of those sales, even if they're small sales, are people who have been touched by your work. And that's a really beautiful thing to get to connect with. Um, And to me, that makes it like, 
more fun and less scary to be tracking it. So I know we've been on a long time. I want to ask a question, end of year taxes. So I always hear people talking about like, oh, it's the end of the year. I need to go like spend a bunch of money because I like have too much. And like it because of taxes, I need to spend money at the end of the year. And I never know what they're talking about. What are they talking about? Katie? I actually do have this checklist that I made a couple of years ago. And that's number three on here. So, um, and we've already touched on the first two, so we can, I can run down this list really quick, but it's catch up on your bookkeeping because you're going to need that done. So if you're in your first year of business, that small business starter kit's going to make that really easy to do. And also by far your cheapest option and easy, like simplest. Um, and then determine if you should be an S corp. If it's your first year and you're not profiting 75,000, you don't have to worry about that. If you are profiting more than 75000 go and listen to episode three of the Profits and Prosecco podcast so I can break that down for you. I'm going to put is... in real quick and just say she's saying S-Corp, capital S-C-O-R-P in my audience. I just need to clarify. She's not saying escort. You can also become an escort, but that's not what she's saying. My, my brother always teases me. He's like, make sure you hit that T really hard when you're telling people that you're an escort. <laughs> that is hilarious. I love that so much. Yes, S. Corp, S corporation. Um, and, and that's just, if you're getting interested and you're like, all right, I want to demystify some of this. I recommend listening to episode three of the profits and Prosecco podcast where I really break that down, um, to make sense. And it's something that you can refer back to. Number three, I put prepay expenses to pay less in taxes. Here's the thing. Don't spend money that you didn't plan to spend. That doesn't make sense because <laughs> this makes me think of Schitt's Creek. We've all seen that, right? It's a write-off. It's a write-off. A write-off means that you're reducing the amount of taxable income that you have. So if you pay 30% in taxes and you pay $10,000 for something, you now get to pay 10, uh, 30% on $10,000 less. You're only saving the tax portion of that. So you don't want to spend just to get a tax you know, savings because you still had to come out of pocket. You want to spend on things you were otherwise going to spend on. And sometimes this doesn't make sense. If you have a year where you have a loss right now, it doesn't make sense to prepay any more expenses. You're not going to pay tax on a loss. So save those expenses for the next year if you think next year is going to be a bigger year. Does that make sense? Yeah, that totally yeah. Think about when you're spending your expenses. But other, like if you had some big, crazy blow up year this year, then it might make sense to prepay some of your expenses right now. Like, so if you use Kajabi, you could pay for the annual subscription for next year of Kajabi. And if you're a cash basis taxpayer, which you most likely are, you're going to get to write that off in this year, even though it's next year's. So if you had a high year, you didn't set aside taxes or anything like that, you can prepay it now so that you're paying less in taxes in this year, but sometimes it makes sense for it to rather be in the following year if that year is going to be bigger. Let me know if I need to say that a different way, but I think that's kind of, it's as, about as simple as it can get. What year do you want to take the expense? What year do you want to reduce your taxable income? And then for anyone who has inventory, which I doubt your audience does, but if you have inventory, it's a good idea to count your inventory at year end. How, how many things do you have in inventory and what did you spend for it typically? Yeah, I do. Um, I do have a good handful of people who have products based businesses or have products as part of their business. So yeah, like, okay. Yeah. It's a good idea to count inventory on December 31st because 
by the time you're getting into the next year, you won't know what your inventory was then and you'll be trying to back it out and it's just kind of annoying. So it's a good practice to count it probably monthly, but at year end at least. And you're counting inventory at year end because that would mean going into the following year, you're selling products that you actually paid for the materials for the year before. Is that part of it? It's like, okay, got it. Yeah, I don't want to overcomplicate the answers to these. And also, I think that like inventory for businesses under a pretty high threshold don't actually need to track inventory and they can expense it all in the year that they purchased it. But if you're like a if you have a lot of inventory, inventory is not actually an expense until it's sold. It's an asset. It's like having a car. And so like if it's something that is sellable and it's not really it's not expensed. It's not written off until it's sold. So you could buy it and not have cash, right? Because you you bought it, but you can't take the deduction until you sell it. Got it. And so that's a little bit complicated. And it's simplified if I just tell you to count inventory at year end. And if your accountant needs that number, you've got it. Got They're it. the ones that move <laughs> this stuff around, you yeah. know? Um, and but if you're if you fall into the category of being small enough and you have inventory, you can look up like when do I need to track inventory as a small business and there's the thresholds. I think it's kind of high now. So you might see it doesn't really matter and it doesn't add you a lot of benefit in your decision making process. And so maybe you just always put it to expense right when you pay it because you know you're going to be under, I think it's millions in sales. Um, I might be wrong though. So check that. And then um, I mentioned miles. So at the end of the year, it's good every year if you're taking any business miles in any capacity um, to write down what your odometer was on 1231 of every year, December 31st, write down what your odometer was at. And then you should be tracking miles if you're actually driving. I go nowhere, so I don't track miles. <laughs> but um, if you're somebody who drives around for work, you want to be tracking miles. And a nice thing is all the things that I talked about with my small biz starter kit, I was talking about my profit and loss workbook. If you buy that small biz starter kit, it also comes with a Google Sheets mileage log, which will make tracking this very simple. But you don't even really need a sheet for that. It can be as simple as writing it down in a notebook or the notes thing on your iPhone. It's just what day did you drive? Where did you go? What were the miles? And what was the business purpose of that? And so I like to give these tips because these are fun ways to save a little bit of money. What counts as business miles is basically anything where you got in the car to drive for business. So that can include trips to the post office. If you're sending client gifts, it can include going and picking up office supplies, meeting clients, driving to networking events, things like that. Um, one thing that it doesn't include is commuting and commuting is going to and from like your home to the same place of work each day. So like I have an office space and I can't deduct those miles, but if I go to the post office, I can. Okay. And then, um, 1099s, they're kind of big. So I can't get into all of the intricacies with 1099s, but I will say that you need to be paying attention. I think California's laws I know California's laws are much more complex on 1099s, but um, you you want to find somebody who's in California to advise on all of that. This is an area where the rules are changing a lot on 1099s. It's the, the purpose of a 1099 is so that the IRS knows who paid who money. Why? Because if I'm going to pay, well, let's do it the way that it actually goes. You pay me, right? You're deducting what you pay me. 
So money has gone to me. The I, You don't pay tax on what you pay me. So they want to make sure that I'm paying tax on what you paid me. So you're reporting it with my EIN. The IRS gets a copy of that. And then they're going to look at my return to make sure that I claimed at least that in income. Right. Does and, that make sense? And for most of us, I'll just throw this out. If you're like a solopreneur, the people that you would need to 1099 are contractors in your business. Um in California, I don't know if this is true for every state. I think it's like if you paid a single person more than $600, that then you have to 1099 them. And I want to make sure this is true. If you're paying them via PayPal as a service, a goods or service, you don't 1099 them, PayPal 1099s them. Is that correct? Correct. And the threshold used to be much higher for PayPal. So this can get confusing because you won't file a 1099 and then the person will be like, where's my 1099? And you'll say PayPal is going to give it to you. But PayPal didn't have to issue a 1099 unless it was like over 200 transactions or $20,000, something like that. So they could fall into this gray area where no 1099 was issued because they you don't have to because of how you paid and PayPal doesn't have to because they got paid too little. I believe PayPal in this year is now going to be issuing 1099s if $600 was transferred. So that's one of my tips. If you're going to hire a, somebody as a contractor in your business to avoid the whole nonsense with the 1099, pay them through PayPal goods and services or let them actually invoice you and pay the invoice. So if you pay, like if they use Dubsado, if they invoice you and you pay on a credit card, basically if it's traceable, through another third party, it removes the burden from you. Um, times where you would need to file a 1089 are if you're using Venmo, PayPal, friends and family, uh, which you shouldn't be doing for business anyway. It's against their terms. It's just it's bad. You're going to get yourself in trouble by doing these things. But if you are, you need to give them a 1089. Bank transfers, cash, check. Those things don't have a way for the IRS to find out. That's how I remember it. There's no way for the IRS to know that happened. So you have to file the 1099. As you get bigger, you might decide that it's worth it to use a payroll provider like Guster or ADP. And then they're going to file that. That's part of your service, which is nice also. So like, that's another good way to pay contractors. But if you're just getting started, it's good to do PayPal goods and services that will put it on PayPal. But you want to look at that and you want to make sure that you have paid everybody the right way because 1099s are something where like, because the other person is anticipating it, they could report you for not filing the 1099 and now you're going to have like non, non-filing penalties and it's just annoying. So just look and see if you need to file them and file them if you do. Filing them timely is not that difficult. Um Okay. Another thing that I put on here is this probably won't pertain to you in your very first year of business, but it's a good thing to look at at year end. And as like you grow and end up working with people, decide if a retirement account is good for you, because there's lots of different options for opening up a retirement account through your business and ways that you can. This is one of my favorite ways to save money in taxes, because it's basically moving it from one of your pockets to another pocket and you get to deduct it. So opening up a retirement account can be beneficial. Um, and then I put make your fourth quarter estimated tax payment because that happens. Um, it actually happens in January. And then contract your trustee CPA for tax prep because I just want to keep reiterating, they will help you with everything above. 
Yay. I love this. This is so helpful. Thank you so much, Katie, for coming on and for sharing all of this info. I don't have any questions in the chat over here. So I will say that um, Katie has her own podcast, as she mentioned. It's the Profits and Prosecco podcast. I will link that in the show notes. And I will also link the Small Biz Starter Kit. So if you wanted to get started on going back from January, cleaning up your bookkeeping, getting everything tracked so that when it's time for you to do taxes, you have all of it in, uh, organized, uh, then I will make sure that you can get that. And where can we find you online? How can people connect with you online? Instagram is the best at orderly accounting by Katie. And I put in the, in the chat here, for entrepreneurs, I think the two best um, podcast episodes are going to be that episode three about S corpse <laughs> and episode 29, which is just, a, it's, it touches on a lot of the same points, but in a slightly different way. So it's tips to increase profit. I love it. Thank you so much, Katie, for coming on tonight. I will have you on again. I always think it's good to get in there and like get granular with some of this money stuff and have these have a chance to have these questions answered because I think a lot of us who are just starting out and trying to DIY everything are getting a lot of information really like y'all from memes don't learn information from memes um, but like uh or like make memes the jumping off point to go ask someone questions or to go watch videos or to go read a book um but don't just take it don't have a saved gallery of memes of financial information and call it a day um, but like we're getting a lot of information from a lot of different places hearing confusing things hearing information about taxes or about end of year finances or about entrepreneurship money stuff from other entrepreneurs whose businesses are totally different from ours or at a different place in their entrepreneurship journey from we are from where we are and like Katie was saying like things that apply to their business don't apply to us or you know like this thing of oh I have to go spend a bunch of money because it's the end of the year and you're like do I need to do that well no or even the tip she dropped about not becoming an S corp until you're hitting around 70,000 in profit those are the kinds of things that like we just, you don't know until you know, or you don't know until you have someone tell you and you're looking at all this information trying to decide, should I be an LLC? Do I need a DBA? What do I need? How do I do this? There are people out there uh, like Katie who are happy to answer these kinds of questions for you. And it really is preventative. <laughs> I'm thinking about brushing and flossing. It's like you do all of this so you don't need very expensive dental surgery. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not glamorous to floss, but there's a really good reason to do it. 100%. Yeah, I'm thinking preventative maintenance. Yeah. Um, I've, I've almost forgot to say this, but this is a good resource um, to go to katiefarrow.com slash reminders because there I email bookkeeping reminders and tax deadlines. They're simplified, you know, um, but they, they'll just come once a month. And when you sign up for that, you get like a drip of I think like 18 seriously good emails. Um, I used to have like a little course a few years ago and I basically was like, I just want to give this information away for free. And so it drips it out twice a week, I think for nine weeks of the most common questions that I get, including what kind of credit card should I use? And I think I have something in there for estimated tax payments. I kind of break it down a little micro so it's not so much information all at once. So I would go there. And one thing I Googled while you were talking to circle back to is the inventory requirement, you can expense that so you don't have to worry about tracking inventory 
if you are below $25 million in revenue, it used to be a million and it changed in 2018. So it's a really substantial difference. So you can still track inventory, but it's more for your own benefit of knowing what you have on hand. Awesome. Thank you so much. I will put all of this in the show notes. And thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, if you like this, if it was valuable for you, give it a like, a share, a subscribe, share it on Instagram, tag me, tag Orderly Accounting by Katie, and we'll share it in our stories. And um, for both of us, I know this is true. Like We're regular people. You can DM us. You can hop online and talk to us anytime. If you are listening to this and it sparked a question, go holler at Katie in the DMs and like say, hey, I heard you on this podcast and I have a question about this thing you said. Both of us are we're here we're accessible you can talk to us anytime and we want to help you and we want to we just want to see everybody like win and be profitable and not end up owing the government a lot of money it's really Mm -hmm. and and stay in business and do the things that you set out to do yeah thank you so much katie and thank you everybody for listening have a great rest of your day thank you That's our episode for today. Thank you as always for being here and for listening to the podcast. I know there are so many things that you could be doing with your time, so many things you could be listening to. It is an honor that you choose to be here. Connect with me on Instagram at Intuitive Edge Coaching or join my Facebook group, Unstuck Group, to suggest topics or people that you'd like to hear me interview on this show. Have a great day.